Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Today we're going to continue our sermon series entitled Why. We're trying to ask some questions, try to gain some good understanding into uh, some major spiritual truths which we need to have shape our lives and then some very practical spiritual truths. And we're really moving uh, started a couple weeks ago when we talked about the church, but especially today we're really starting to, to move into this combination of uh, the spiritual truths and the practical and how they become practical for us. Uh, so today we are going to, and by the way, if you've missed any of those, you can go online and watch them. Go to our website and, and look up the, uh, the videos and watch them, or you can listen to them through a podcast. We really encourage you to do that because these, these sermons all kind of go together and present a big picture of, of the things that we need to know and understand and live by. Well, today we, our, our sermon is about, it's entitled, Why? Asking the question, why? But why pastors? Why, you know, what's, what's the big deal about pastors? Why are pastors important? And I just need to have a little heart-to-heart talk with here as we start, okay? Uh, this is one of those sermons that's a little awkward for me to preach, because I am talking about my role and, and what God says about that, what he wants to do through that role and how you know, you're supposed to respond to the role of pastor in your life. And so it's a little bit awkward. And so if I was just going on preaching what was comfortable for me to preach, I wouldn't preach this sermon. However, one of the responsibilities which we will see is that as a pastor, I have a responsibility to preach to you the whole counsel of God. And if I'm going to be a faithful pastor, I need to preach this to you. Uh, I'm, in case you didn't know, I won't always be the pastor here. Unless Jesus takes us all home before, you know, and then that's okay with us, right? At that point, I would be the last pastor here. Uh, but I won't always be your pastor. I'm, I'm, one day I'm going to die. Hopefully not in the near future. Uh, not working on it. Uh, and then I was going to say, maybe I get too old. And this morning in our pastor, I mean, our leaders meeting is before we prayed, I was talking about this, you know, I may get too old. And my wife said, yeah, you get too senile. Uh, <laughs> that could happen. Uh, or it's, it's even possible that God would move us somewhere else at some point. And, and not only that, we have other pastors in this church. So it is fitting and right for me to preach to you about this today. And what I really want you to do is open up your heart and mind to hear from God about it. Okay? Uh, don't get all caught up in, well, Walt's talking about himself here today. That's really not what I'm trying to do. Although I do fill that role in your life. So I tell you what let's do. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer here. Father, we come before you and thank you for your word that in it you tell us all the things that we need to know to live lives that are godly lives and lives that are pleasing to you. And in your word, Father, you've revealed to us truths about pastors and, and what their role is to be in the church. And, and I pray that we will open up our hearts to you, to hear from you today, that you would speak to us, both our hearts and minds, about what we need to know and understand and how we need to respond. And I pray, Father, our hearts would be open to you in these things. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> 
I remember very clearly uh, just a, a few events that uh, brought me to the place of becoming a pastor. And I've shared, I think, probably all of these at one point or another with you. Um, but one of those times was, I mean, I had come to Christ. And by the way, I had a, I had a special opportunity this week to uh, spend a couple hours with the pastor of the church that I got saved in. The pastor of the church that I came to Christ in. The pastor of the church that I left to go prepare for the ministry from. Uh, and so, uh, let me stop just a second. If, if we have any issues up here, are we going to be, oh, it's up there. It's just not down here. All right, not a problem. Um, but what a, what a privilege to sit and talk to him. And, and, and I actually had come to Christ there and grown up, and, and he took me under his wing and actually brought me on part-time staff and to work there before I headed off to the ministry and learned so many things from him during that time. And, and they aren't always specific lessons. I can tell you I learned this and this and this, but there are approaches to life and, and concepts about ministry that have just shaped me, good things. And so I had an opportunity to talk to them and ask him, you know, what would you do differently in your life? And just really some great counsel. And so I think about the role that he had in my life. And it was huge. God used him in my life. And he used him by being the pastor of that church and then used him personally in my own life. And so I remember in the process there, as I was in that church of, of you know, wrestling with what God want me to do with my life. I, I came to Christ when I was 19 years old, attending the University of Missouri in Kansas City there. And so growing and understanding. And, and then I remember, and I, to be honest, I don't remember which order these two things happened in. But I remember very clearly, uh, early one morning, I was up reading my Bible, looking out the window, sun was coming up. And I remember very clearly just the Holy Spirit working in my life. And I said, okay, God, wherever you want me, whatever you want me to do, whenever, however, whatever. Okay, I surrender, God. I'm, I'm yours to do with as you please. And I, I didn't know whether that meant ministry as a, a, a vocation or not. And then uh, at another point, we had a, a missions team come through our church and, and really just you know, talk about the call of God for us to be about reaching the world. And, and I remember very clear at that point, I responded to an invitation they had, and it was, okay, God, I will go in this direction in my life. I, I will go and serve you. And I didn't know if I was supposed to be a missionary or a pastor, or whatever, but I said, I'm, I'm going to go do that. And just very, very clear. And as I've gone through the years, and God has just confirmed it in my heart more and more and more. Here's the deal. God called me to be a pastor, and there's more to the story than that, which we'll talk about. But God called me to be a pastor, and whether I was able to make a living at it or not, I would be a pastor. I would have to be a pastor to people. Whether I had a position or not, I would be a pastor in people's lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I mean by that? Because that's who God called me being what he's made me. Now, when we talk about this idea of being called to be a pastor, you know, anybody could say God has called me, couldn't they? Anybody could say that. A very well-intentioned person could say it who maybe not ought to be in the ministry, say God has called me. Uh, a person who is a conniver, a schemer, wanting to use things for their own purposes could say God has called me into the ministry. Uh, 
Anybody could say that. So it's interesting how God did this because he talks about in 1 Timothy 3, and we're not going to look there today, but in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, if any man desires to have this role, the role of a pastor, it actually uses the word bishop, which means overseer. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But if anyone has that desire in their heart and they're saying, I believe God has called me to be a pastor, he says, okay, then now let's look at their life. Are they qualified to be a pastor? The calling is not sufficient. Okay, there is a clear sense in calling, but then we look at the person's life. and There's a long list of of qualifications there in first Timothy chapter three, all of except for one, all except for one are about his character and how he lives his life. Only one is about skills and it says he has to be able to teach the Bible, has to be able to do that. The rest of them are all about quality. Uh, character qualities. And so qualifications. So they, there's two things that really determine whether or not a person can be a pastor. One is that they have a sense of calling. They desire the work. And, and the other is that they are actually qualified to hold the position. Okay, so there is a, a balance there for that. All right, what I want to do now is, is, is begin to get into the word with you here on the issue. Uh, let's, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is talking about how uh, God works in the church and what he's done for the church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. It says, when he ascended on high, talking about when Jesus had died and was buried and rose, and when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And what did he give? A couple verses later, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But he says he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to the church. And what I want you to see is this. He isn't talking about that he gave spiritual gifts to these people, although he gives every Christian, everyone who comes to Christ, a spiritual gift. But we've got to have a sermon on that soon, right? In other words, there's some way, everybody who comes to Christ, God gives them a special ability to serve him in some way. Okay, but that's not really what he's talking about here. He's talking about gifts that he gave to the church. And these gifts that he gave to the church are people. In other words, he gave to the church the apostles. Okay, the apostles are the ones who are behind the New Testament. They are the witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. They are the ones that God, God sent out into the world, you know, to begin this whole process that we are still involved in today. Same mission. But they were the apostles, and they were a gift to the church and provided the leadership that was necessary there. And, and then it says, he gave prophets. And I really think that this idea of prophets are those who spoke for the Lord. They spoke the Lord's words. And really, it, it goes back to, we have our word of God today because God says, the Bible says, through holy men, the Holy Spirit moved them to write the word of God. And so those people were gifts to the church. And they've left us this amazing uh, scripture that we have. And then it says evangelists. And evangelists are those who share the good news. And I really think that this, I mean, in our day and age, we think of evangelists as special preachers. Okay, let me just stop for just a moment if I can and just say to you something here. I am really pretty confident and I don't know how all this stuff behind the scenes works with the spiritual world, but I'm pretty confident that Satan does not want us to have a grasp on what we're talking about here today. And so we've had a number of distractions. And I just say, hey, let's, let's, let's listen to God. Okay? Let the distractions go. Let's hear from God here today. 
And so evangelists, I really see those, in a lot of ways, those are the missionaries. Those are the ones who are going places where they need to hear the good news and it's not available to them. And so they're going and sharing and preaching the gospel you know, where it hasn't been preached before. And then it says pastors and teachers. Now, in the Greek language, and if, if you, you wonder why would he talk about the Greek language, it's because the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and we believe the Holy Spirit led the writers to write what they wrote. And so that's why sometimes we talk about what's in the Greek language, to try to really understand what God gave us. Uh, when the, the Greek grammar, how many of you love grammar? Any gra- lovers of grammar? Yes, there's a few strange folks in here today. <laughs> All right, in Greek grammar and the way this is constructed, pastors and teachers refers to the same, per- same people, same person, okay? So he gave apostles, he gave prophets to the church, he gave evangelists to the church, and then he gave pastors slash teachers to the church, okay? And why did he do this? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, that's you, all the saints. Uh, If you're new to us today, you say, what do you mean you're a saint? The Bible says if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, he has made you holy. Therefore, you are a saint and you're a work in progress. But so for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, with the end result being that the church is built up to become what God wants it to be, faithfully accomplishing the mission that he's given it. Okay, so he gave pastors and teachers. So... This means that pastors are a gift to the church. The role of pastor and the people that God puts into that are a gift to the church. Now, so you do understand why this is a little awkward for me to talk to you about. But it is what God says. So I have to declare it to you if I'm going to be faithful. And so let's go to the next slide there. Here's what I want you to get today. One of the best things you can do for your own well-being and your churches is to view your pastors as a gift from God and respond to them accordingly. And and so you know, I'm not saying, oh, wow, we are God's gift to man. We aren't saying that at all. We're talking about us in this role, doing what God has designed, okay? Okay. That that is a gift. And it is in your well-being and the well-being of this church for you to see it that way and then to respond to it accordingly. Now, when we talk about pastors, uh, the Bible really has three different terms that it uses for pastors. And it uses, the first term it uses is the term elders. Elders. And and. somehow, rather, in our culture, our, our uh, American culture and churches, we have tended to uh, gravitate to somewhere out of the term pastors, which is a Bible term, but I'll talk to you about it. But, for, but the Bible uses the term elders most of the time to refer to these people, okay? And elders communicates the idea of maturity, a spiritual maturity, a maturity of character. And this is what I've told you. If we go and look in the, the qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1, they're all about this kind of thing. They're all about character. What kind of a man is this man? Okay, his character. And so elders speaks to this idea. They have to be someone who's spiritually mature, who understands uh, a relationship with God. And, and it's, it's a growing reality in this person's life. And you could follow their example. And that's the word I want you to think. Think example. When you think of the elder, the term elders, think examples. Okay? Now, the second most frequently used term 
It's a Greek word, episkopos, and does that sound familiar? It sounds like the Episcopal Church, okay? But the word episkopos means overseer. Now, in many of our older translations of the Bible, that word, overseer, or that word episkopos is translated bishop. In our day and age, we tend to think of bishop. Oh, that's someone who's, you know, up in a denominational structure who's up over multiple churches and all that. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, people are free to do that stuff. I mean, they can make those decisions. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that uh, this, this term means an overseer. And so overseer is the idea of... of uh, giving direction to the church, a role of authority to direct and to organize, to plan, to lead. So think leadership, okay? Think leadership. Uh, overseer is the idea of providing leadership for the church as it seeks to accomplish its mission, okay? <clears throat> now, uh, the third title, and the one that's used the least frequently, but the one that we use the most, is the term pastor, and pastor really comes from a Greek word that means shepherd. And the church is often con um, described as a what? A flock. And so uh, this, the pastor is a pastor, a shepherd of the church. And this is where the pastor feeds the flock. He, he um, shares the, the, the word of God with them, teaches, preaches. He does this uh, in public. He also does it individually, personally. And he prays for people and he encourages. And so it's, it's all this spiritual work that we normally think about in the role of pastor. And so think of the idea of equipping. That's the word we want to hook to pastor, equipping. In other words, he's, he's helping, the pastor is helping you become who God wants you to be so you can do what God wants you to do. And so we have all three of these terms. Now, all three of these terms we find in a passage we're gonna look at in a little bit, but we also find them referred to in the same person in, oh. First, uh, first Peter, let me just read it to you. You don't have to look it up. I can almost quote it to you, but I don't wanna. First Peter chapter five. Peter says, he's talking, he says, to the elders who are among you. So he calls them elders. And then he says this, shepherd the flock of God. So he calls them pastors, shepherds. And then he says, serving as overseers. And so we see all three of these terms applied to the same office of what we call pastor. All right, well, let's, let's do this. Let's take a look in our Bibles at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and it's going to be page 1281 in the Bible that's in the pew, and we encourage you to follow along with us if you can there. If you don't have your own Bible, grab the one in the pew and turn to page 1281. Acts chapter 20. Now, the Apostle Paul, this is on his third missionary journey, and he's making his way back toward Jerusalem, and he didn't want to stop in Ephesus uh, for some reason, but he, he wanted to talk to the pastors from Ephesus, and so he calls for them to come. And as near as I can tell on the, the map, this is probably a two-day walk. So Paul thought this was important, important enough to say, come, make this trip, I need to talk to you. And so in verse number 17 of chapter 20, 
And what I want to talk about here before we start reading is this. Let's, uh, in this passage here, we're going to look at some reasons that show that pastors are gifts to the church. And so this is talking about recognizing the gift. Recognizing the gift. All right, verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, and let me say, Paul had, had established this church in Ephesus years earlier. He was their pastor for a few years. And so Paul, in talking to them about being pastors, uh, refers to his own example and some things about pastors. Okay, so let's continue reading. And when they had come to them, him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. So right away, Paul starts talking about you saw my example. A pastor should be a good example for you to follow. A pastor provides you an example, and, and elsewhere in the Bible it talks about that as well. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, an example to the church. And he talks about, he says, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now, now starting at the beginning of verse 19, this is really crucial. A pastor, a good pastor, a pastor who surrendered the Lord serves with humility. It's not about who I am. It's about who God is. Right? That's true for all of us. But in this role, a good pastor is going to be humble and acknowledge that, wait a minute, this is about God. This isn't about me. And because of that, he's willing to sacrifice for the well-being of the church. As he says, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So here Paul is establishing a church, preaching the gospel, and, and they are plotting against him. And he has had tears and heartbreak and problems. But he did it for the church. And so a pastor is willing to suffer to meet your needs. That's a gift. And he goes on, he says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And so here he is, he's saying that I have taught you, and we're going to see a little bit more in a minute, the word of God. I've taught you God's word, and I have done it publicly when we're all gathered together. And I have shared the word of God with you when we have sat down one-on-one. -on -one. He brings the word of God to the church. Man, how, how important is this word to us as Christians? It's very important, isn't it? I mean, this is how we know what God desires for us. This is how we know the truth about God, how we have a relationship with Him, how to live out that relationship, how to get along with one another, how to succeed at the things God has called us to do in life. On and on it goes. And, and so pastors, bring this to you and help you to understand it in ways you might not have otherwise understood. And, and there is this sense that as pastors preach, every Sunday, okay, and, and Sunday's out, I mean, sometimes months out, I am praying about, God, what do you want me to preach? And, and you work through it, and you, you try to see what does he want, and, how, and you make the best calls you can, trusting that God is working, which means that the messages that I bring to you on Sunday, uh, 
there's something that God wants us to hear and deal with. All of us together. And then sometimes individually, one-on-one, we do the same kind of thing. And then he says this, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the pastor continually brings the gospel to you. In other words, you can count on, if you invite your friends, if you invite your your loved ones, your neighbors, you invite them, they are going to hear the gospel. Now, not every sermon is about the gospel, everything about it, but at some point, we connect with the gospel. And so, that is an opportunity for you. A pastor will share the gospel. By the way, if you're here today, and this is all new to you, what I want you to understand is this, the Bible very, very clear tells us that we've all sinned. Then we know that's true, don't we? We've all messed that up repeatedly. The Bible says that that has separated us from God. We can know about God. We can believe there's a God. But it's separated us in our relationship with him, our sin. And if we die in that condition, the Bible says we'll be separated from him in that way forever in a place of torment called hell. But as we sang today so clearly a couple of times, God loved us so much that his son came from heaven, became a human being, and lived a perfect and sinless life, and then died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, paying the penalty for my sins, paying the penalty for your sins. And and God tells us this in his word. He says that if we will acknowledge that we have sinned and we're separated from him, and we will believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead, God says, all you have to do is acknowledge that to me and then place your trust in Jesus. And the moment you do that, he forgives every sin. Church, is that good news? Every sin you ever have committed or ever will commit, Jesus died paying the penalty for. And when you receive Christ as Savior, it's all paid for for you. And you have eternal life, and then God himself comes to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit, and begins working on you and changing you and growing you and helping you to learn and understand and make better decisions and to sin less, and and on and on it goes. If you have questions about that, please let us know. Use that communication card. Say, I want to know about how to trust Jesus. We would love to share that with you. But a pastor will share the gospel repeatedly with you. And continues, verse 22, he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So he's hearing that that tough times are coming for him. But what does he say? I go bound in the Spirit. In other words, I have to do this because this is what God has shown me to do. And what I want you to know is this, that a pastor in the church A good pastor is going to be bound in the spirit to do what he has to do. To say what he has to say. Even if it brings difficulty into his own life. Let me, uh, just I'm going to take the time here. We have talked about we're going to two services in the fall. And there were a number of other uh, choices and decisions we were already making about how we make disciples that were already in process before we even made that decision. But I want to tell you that change is always hard. It's harder for some people than others. It's hard for me in some ways because I got to tell you, you guys are an awesome church. 
You're a wonderful group of people. I think you're, you're doing your best to live out loving one another as Christ has loved. And it's been so nice being with you. Sounds like I'm going somewhere. I'm not. But it's been so nice being with you in this. But what I want to tell you is it would be easy for me to just sit back and just let it go. Right? But the problem is I would have to be unfaithful to Christ to do that. And so even though it's going to turn my world upside down in some ways, even though it's going to turn some of your worlds upside down in some ways, I am bound in the Spirit. And see, that's what a pastor will do. He will say, God, what do you want us to do? And seeking for that, and when it becomes clear through other pastors and counsel, and when it becomes clear this is what we need to do, i got to do it whether... It's going to be easy for me or not. And so a pastor is a gift to you in that way. That he doesn't just let things ride. Verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Excuse me. God, none of these things move me. I'm going to do what God has given me to do. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, any subject that ever came up, I have told you what God has to say about it. I've talked to you about the things that we all like and enjoy hearing about, right? Would, would you like it today if I preached a great sermon on heaven? Wouldn't you like that? If I preached a great sermon on comfort, and we love those kinds of things, God's love for us, but there are also other things that we have to preach on that we don't like so much. There are things going on in the culture around us that it's politically correct to say what God says about it, but we've got to say it. And so a pastor is going to share with you the whole counsel of God. Well, he's going to tell you, here's what God says, and we have to figure out what to do about it. Then he says this, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his blood. So we actually have all three of these responsibilities again. You're talking to the elders, talking about shepherding the flock and he made you overseers. But right in the middle of this verse, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What I want you to understand is this, that, that God is the one who made me the pastor of this church. Now, he has a process he used because God was leading me and I felt the desire to do that. The church looked at me, evaluated my qualifications, prayed about whether God wanted me here or not, okay? And the church voted and gave its approval and that all came together and God is then the one who, see, put me here. See how that works? And so a pastor works with this conscious awareness that I answer to God for what I do here. I'm also a member of the church, so there is a sense as a member of the church that I answer to you. But when it comes to being the pastor, I answer to God. That is crucially important. And, and I feel the weight of that. It's important that I do. 
And then verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so the pastor takes very seriously responsibility to protect the church. And, and what I try to protect you from, the, to the things that come to the top of my mind right away, is false doctrine, false teachings that are prevalent in our culture and that will work its way into the church if we aren't careful. And so I have to protect against that. I protect by speaking against it. I protect by addressing it as need be with someone. And then the other thing that I protect from is, is divisive people. And sometimes there are people over the years... Thank God I haven't been experiencing this. That's what I mean. It's good right now. But there have been people who were just divisive and they had to be confronted, had to be dealt with. Not my favorite thing to do. But I have to do it. And that's one of the things that a pastor does for the church. And that is a good thing. Verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so, again, the idea of recognizing, I, I really would say here, recognizing the limitations of my role as pastor. Because I can't change your heart. I can't make you do anything. I can't stop you from doing anything. But what I can do is commend to you, you need to turn to the Lord. Here's what he says. And to do that faithfully for you, week in and week out, as long as I'm here. And God will work in your life when you open yourself up to him in these areas. So recognizing the gift. Well, let's talk now about leveraging the gift. By leveraging, we mean taking advantage of it and amplifying it and, and making it better. The Apostle Paul says something like this in many places in his letters, but in 1 Thessalonians, he says it just very succinctly. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. <laughs> Would you pray for me? Pray for Dave. Pray for Matt. Pray for our pastoral ministry interns. Pray for us, because I want you to know something, that every one of us are equally valuable for, before God. That is a truth, doctrinal truth. Every one of us is equally valuable before to God. I'm no more valuable to God than you are. We're all the same. But when Satan looks at this church and tries to say, how can I undermine this church? If he can get me to fall, he damages everybody. Do you get that? you see that? If he can bring hurt and difficulty and hardship into my family, he can hinder my ability to minister. If he can get in and affect my relationship with my wife, Peter says when your relationship with your wife isn't right, that your prayers are hindered. Pray for us. Pray for all of us that God works in our lives and that we, we have this a sensitivity to his leadership and that he works in our lives and empowers us. Pray that, and one of the things that just has so burdened our hearts recently is, is, is uh, pastors and I think of our wives is that we would see the power of God work through the preaching of the word. Pray for us. It is crucial, okay? Second thing is this. Put the next verse up there if you would. He says, it is not desirable, but this is, 
The apostles, when they were trying to make sure all the widows were cared for and all the other needs of the church, he says this, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, that we would go and try to do all this. Instead, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so another way to leverage the gift of pastors in your church is to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing. We're trying to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to be caring for one another, to be caring for what God has entrusted to us, for be busy doing ministry and organizing. We need you to do that. Because if we have to do it all, it takes away from our time to be able to seek God in prayer and in his word. And this is one of the areas where I find the most tension and pulling, trying to get things done. And so you will leverage the, the uh, uh, gift of a pastor to you by making sure that they are as free as possible to pursue the spiritual dynamics that only they can do. Okay? And then the third one. Paul says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, and especially those who are, are really the teachers, okay, or the preachers. For the scripture says the laborer is worthy of his wages. This word that's translated honor here really does refer to pay. It talks about to compensating the pastors. So just on the face, what you want to do is you want to compensate your pastors sufficiently so that they don't have to worry about those so they can focus on the work of the ministry. So you know, I, I in my circles, I know that I'm sure they're out there, but in my circles, the, the men I work with here and the pastors that I talked to, none of us got in it for the money, okay? Now, I make a good salary now, and I'm grateful for that, okay? But Paul says we ought to be compensating them and doing that. Uh, you know, this is a problem for us and for Matt, being one of our pastors, because he has to work full-time and do what he does, right? I mean, at some point, we would like to see that change, wouldn't we? So this is a biblical concept. But what I really want to focus you about is not so much the pay, but the idea of double honor. And, and in one sense, you could say double pay, right? Well, I, hey, I'm for that. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be. I would not feel right getting a, twice what I make now. I think that would be an unwise decision for the church and for us. But I really think the idea is this, a double honor, yes, to pay them well, but also to honor them, to let them have this role in your life. How do you talk about the pastor in your household and his role? I mean, I understand sometimes you might disagree with decisions that, that you know, I make or that we make as pastors. You may. But how do you then talk about that in front of your children, in front of your friends? You understand that when you begin to undercut the role of pastor in your church, you do damage to your church. Now, let me say this. This doesn't mean that you can't disagree with me. You can. And if it's, if it's really important, you think, come talk to me. Talk to Dave. Talk to whoever the issue's with. We want to hear because we want to get it right. Okay? We are open. We do listen. But the idea is to still nonetheless honor this position. Because this person has a huge responsibility. And so give honor to that position. And by the way, I just want to tell you, I, I know I keep interjecting the person here. I like to be Walt to you. And, and if, if, I want you to call me whatever you're comfortable calling me, okay? But I'm fine with Walt. 
When I'm talking about on inquisition, I don't mean you have to call me the right Reverend Graham. <laughs> right? I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about the, you treat me like me, okay? But there are times when I am the pastor, and in that role, there should be an honor given to that role because God set it up this way, okay? And you need to seek him for leading you in that. All right, so this is, these are ways that we leverage the gift. And finally, how should you respond to the gift? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, there's two verses we want to look at in Hebrews. First one says, remember those who rule over you. Talking about the overseers of the church. Remember those who rule over you and who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And so again, this is the idea of looking at the example. But what I want to encourage you is this. Open yourself up to God when we bring the word of God to you. Don't sit there and say, I don't know. Because here's the deal. When I'm done preaching, when I'm done teaching, when I open the word of God to you, I am not at all really interested at that point that you agree with me. But I think it's really important that you agree with God. And so sometimes God is going to speak to you about things that I don't even say. Maybe a little differently than I say, but you want to be open to God. And so you want to say, God, when, when the pastors bring the word of God to me, God, I am going to listen for your voice. And I'm going to follow and do what you tell me to do. Okay? We encourage you to do that. You will benefit. Your church will benefit. We will accomplish the mission more faithfully and more effectively if you will do that. And now we come to the one that's probably the hardest of all. Verse 17. Obey those who have the rule over you. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Obey and be submissive. You know, in our day and age, we have reason to be concerned about people with authority, don't we? In our government, authority gets abused. In institutions, authority gets abused. And sadly, sometimes in churches, authority gets abused. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And what this is talking about here. It's not talking about in your personal lives. If I start meddling into your personal life and telling you where you need to shop and you all need to wear the same kind of clothes, I start doing that. See, I've, I've stepped away from God. But when, it's under, when I tell you, if I come as a pastor, I say, okay, as a pastor, folks, we as a church need to start. We as a church need to stop. We as a church need to do it this way as opposed to that way. You have a choice to make. And God here says that in that role as pastors, when decisions need to be made about the church, and by the way, sometimes the decision is we as a church need to make this decision together. But there are sometimes it's decisions that no, we pastors need to make together. And sometimes there are decisions that I, the senior pastor, have to make. And we have to do this to be faithful to God. And so the idea is when we do that, you have a choice to make. You can have, say, okay, I'm going to follow. It, maybe it isn't even the way I would have chosen to do it. But you, hey, have you ever noticed there's more than one way to do things? There is. 
And if you were the pastor, you might do it differently. But so when we, we reach a conclusion, this is where the church needs to go. How we, when we do that, you have a choice to make. And this is what this verse talks about. He says, for they watch out for your souls. First of all, know that when we make these decisions, we're trying to make these decisions in the best interest of the whole church and everybody in the church. Okay? They watch out for your souls as those who must give account. We feel the burden. We feel the weight of responsibility. God is going to hold us accountable for you, for how you live your life. Now, I'm not responsible for your sins, but I am responsible if I wasn't faithful to tell you what you need to know in order to do what's right. So we will give an account. And so here's the idea. He says this. So when the elders are ruling, as the Bible talks about, when the pastors have made decisions that to give direction, respond positively. Speak about it positively among yourselves. Figure out how to make it work. Help us. Pray. Because here's the idea. He says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. <laughs> all right, so here's the deal. We make the decision. And it's kind of upheaval for all of us, right? And next thing you know, people are grumbling and they're complaining and they're talking. What do you think? They're doing this. And we begin to have this sense of division in the church and problems. And we aren't going forward carrying the mission out faithfully. And do you know what that does to your pastor? It's not about me. It's about what's happening in the church. And it brings great grief. I mean, I, over the years, Dave and I spend a lot of time together. Every week we sit down. There have been times we sit there and just kind of look at each other and like, we don't get it. You know, why? why? Why are people doing this? Or why is this individual doing that? And, and Paul says here, or Paul, whoever wrote Hebrew says that if we have to do it with grief, it's not good for you. Because when we are being grieved and feeling this grief over this, uh, it affects how we minister. It affects our boldness. It affects our sense of speaking freely or doing freely and leading. It affects all of that. And so it's not good for us. So those times when we do say, okay, here's where we need to go. Here's what we, we make those decisions. Let me encourage you, choose to respond in, in, in a positive way so that we can do it with joy because that's good for you. And really this verse brings us back to that one point I want you to see. You can see how this works. Let's go to that if you would. One of the best things you can do for your own well-being in your churches is to view your pastors as a gift from God and respond to them accordingly. And let me say we are all in this together. We all have our roles to fill. Pastors are not perfect. We need your input. We need your prayers. We have something to accomplish together. But there are also things which we must do as pastors to be faithful to God and to serve you well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace your enabling grace for us to go through this sermon today, Father.
And Lord, what we've looked at today in many ways goes against the views of the world around us. And we know sometimes we've been affected by the world around us. I pray that we would be able to see the role of pastors the way you say it is. And right now, Father, I pray if there's any misunderstanding here of thinking about authoritarian pastors and dictators that, oh God, that you just cut through all that because that's not what you tell us. We're in it together. We are accountable. Pastors are accountable. At the same time, Father, I pray that we will catch a vision for doing things the way you've shown us in your word. And that we would look to our pastors to fill this role that you've given them. And that everyone else, Lord, be faithful to fulfill the roles they've given. And and you tell us that when we do that, that the, the body of Christ just takes off in awesome ways. We pray for that. I do pray, Father, for someone here today, as I explained earlier about what it means to trust Christ and have a relationship with you. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray they would uh, ask for more information, something, Father. Thank you for being so faithful. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for being the good shepherd, the faithful pastor, the head of the church. We don't know what you want to do here, Lord, in specific ways, but we do know you've given us a mission to carry out, to make disciples, to teach them. I pray, Father, that you'll just do a work in us, each of us, be honored in our hearts and minds here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.